Hey, everyone, and welcome to Real Life Real Crime Daily for Thursday, October 26th, and I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. He lives, America. He lives. Woody. Barely, barely alive. Better today. And see, with this new tech, we have to, we're looking at each other virtually. So Jim and I both know he actually is alive. We can see him in some strange looking room. It's a I don't know, those, are those shackles? I see what's chains coming from the ceiling. What, we're going to have to talk about that. But yeah, anyway, but we've we've located him and uh, he's back. He's not in a Wisconsin prison, and he uh, he didn't go to meet your business. We'll we'll find out where uh, where Woody has been. Uh, this is Mike, obviously, and we are together again after Jim and I had to pull off yesterday's show. I don't know if we pulled off yesterday's show or not but we ran we ran without our wingman which yeah it was hard to do it with just mike woody yeah i get it <laughs> and I, I sincerely that's apologize what my wife says. Says. that's yeah. that's what miss jerry says well i remember jasper's famous line to maverick in the beginning of the movie woody what was it never ever leave your wingman hmm. well I was incapacitated. That was you were, and you know what? Our actions sometimes have consequences. I, I'm fully prepared for this lick that I know is coming. Well, it's it's not Jim nor I that uh, that are reacting. You know that the board is always listening to uh, the show and looking at our social media and keeping their ear low to the ground. And Jim and I both received a communique this morning that. I uh, just want to share briefly with the audience and then let you uh, let you address it. Uh, yeah, we've never done this before on the show, but I think circumstances dictate that we uh, that we do. So Article three, Section four, paragraph six C of the bylaws clearly states if at any time a member of the partnership is absent from a scheduled production without first scheduling a suitable guest replacement, that member shall be subject to sanction. It then goes on in Article 3, Section 4, Paragraph 6C2 to say, if the member's absence is due to an incident involving alcohol, drugs, and or overstaying their welcome at a so-called gentleman's club, that member shall be subject to immediate suspension and revocation of member privileges. I was not aware of the existence of this bylaw, but I'm not surprised that it exists. Woody, do you have uh, anything to offer in your defense mm -hmm. to the board as they're listening this morning? One out of three isn't bad. Um, there was no strip clubs or narcotics involved, but <clears throat> there was copious amounts of alcohol. We started <laughs> We started at noon on the drive up. Then now we had a designated driver. Thank you. Shout out to Dave, the real estate agent. Um, we started at noon. And, of course, you guys know the game doesn't start till 7. And we got there and tailgated in the garage. And it was like a never-ending supply of beer. Uh-uh. And it went on, and the problem was it's about a three-hour round-trip deal from here. And on the way back, we had to wait like three hours to get out of the garage. And so, again, the never-ending beer um, was a problem. 
in, got back in at like four o'clock in the morning, set my alarm, but didn't turn it on. And I slept until noon. So and that's that's a fact. I would just say this to uh, to the board that. Jim and I should both get one free get out of jail, you know, get out of jail free card for forgiving our partner. Uh, it's a big opportunity, a Monday night football game in that stadium. Amazing that, that it really was. The, uh, and I saw what you were talking about, the Viking ship form that they have, at least on part of it. It was the, you know, the whole city was amazing. The The fans were amazing. There were a lot of 49ers fans there and, uh, everybody was really cool. Um, it was just a fantastic time. Uh, obviously, too much of a fantastic time. Yeah, it really is a a uh, a great city. Uh, not when people are rioting, but otherwise a great right. uh, a great city. I spent a lot of time there over the years. So, um, well, we'll see what the board has to say about all of this, Woody. Um, Jim, did you catch the? News late in the day yesterday about your pilot in the jump seat in Oregon. Uh, just what you texted me. <laughs> uh, we should probably mention that, shouldn't we? Sure. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, this is your story. So, uh, but uh, I think all of us were a little freaked out. I know I was by the story of a pilot sitting in a jump seat up in uh, on the flight deck when they weren't actually working. They were just getting transport uh, back to uh, an airport for, I guess, a different uh, a different flight or just getting back home in, the, in this guy's case. And his excuse for trying to shut down the engines mid-flight was that he was on magic mushrooms. Oh, God which we've covered the fact that Oregon has uh, has made a move to legalize magic mushrooms, but I don't believe that law allows you to operate an airplane while you're under the influence of those. That would, that would be a bit crazy even for the state of Oregon. So I think this guy is still going to look at 80 separate attempted murder charges, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's like people on the plane. 82 separate murder charges. 82 separate murder charges. And nothing about his story is any kind of acceptable excuse. I mean, you you chew magic. And uh, I will say this. One of the things that is freakiest if you are on, uh, if you're on mushrooms is being at any kind of height being at any kind of altitude because your perception is so sharp and thrown off that I remember being on top of a building after doing them uh, at college and being like 21 stories. I think that building was and being on the roof and feeling like I could just grab the cars that were the cars look like matchbox cars that you could just you could just take your hand and, and grab. I mean, if you're not in control and you don't have friends with you that are your safety people to to keep you under control, I can't imagine being uh, up there on a flight deck in mid-flight uh, on shrooms. I mean, that there's just too many opportunities to do something incredibly stupid, which obviously this guy did. And thankfully, the 
the two uh, uh, pilots up there were able to subdue the guy. Yeah, not a good combination. No. All right, I guess we should get to some Thursday stories. Let's get to some crime time for Thursday. All right, and we're going to go to St. Louis first, and a 43-year-old man is currently in jail without bond after he shot a youth football coach multiple times because he was upset his son was not placed in the starting lineup. Uh, St. Louis Metropolitan Police Officers responded after receiving a call about a man suffering from several gunshot wounds. Medics transported the victim, identified as Shaquille Lattimore, to the hospital in serious condition. Police interviewed Lattimore, who told investigators he coaches suspect Daryl Clemens' son on that youth football team. Clemens became upset with him for not starting his son. Uh, Lattimore approached Clemens and, and asked him what was up and pulled his gun out and gave it to someone to hold and that the defendant subsequently shot him multiple times while he was unarmed. Police arrested Clemens that day on charges of first degree assault and, uh, attempted armed criminal action. Lattimore said he was shot in the left arm, left forearm, leg, and lower back. The bullet went through his back and penetrated his liver as well. Ooh. Uh, Clemens founded the football team and left the coaching job once his son became a player on that team. The two men reportedly got into an argument a few days before the incident. Uh, one parent said he believes Lattimore started this and that he should have stayed on the field. The witness said, why are you not being a coach? You're supposed to be teaching me right from wrong, but you go and do wrong. Does this make sense? No, it don't. Clemens next court date is scheduled for November 22nd. So youth football coaches taking it to the extreme when their kids don't start. That's unreal, right? In this, well, everybody gets a trophy world. Yeah, well, it is. It is the. <laughs> single biggest nightmare of being a coach. And in most cases, you're a volunteer coach. Now, I never coached football, but I coached a lot of uh, a, a lot of baseball uh, as my kids were coming up. And, you know, the whole uh, the whole thing where, you know, you've got to get a minimum amount of uh, innings in for each kid and you're trying to juggle that playing time you're trying to win but you're also trying to not make it all about winning the toughest thing is controlling these parents and their expectations and so many parents have unrealistic expectations about uh, their kids i mean in that case there you've got the ex-coach who's now a parent and obviously there's some tension between him and the the new coach i mean that's it's not hard to see how those, uh, because I've, I've never been afraid somebody was going to pull uh, a weapon on me as a coach, but definitely been in situations where it's all, it, it's more intense than you certainly want it to be volunteering to do something like that. So that's pretty scary. I don't get it. And my day, if you weren't good enough to play, you sat the bench and you didn't bitch about it. And certainly your parents didn't shoot somebody about it. Well, you got better. You know, and that was the thing. If you weren't starting, that gave you something to work towards, and it was a goal, and it was a, 
you know, sometimes it's a good thing to not just start off in a starting role because you got to earn that. And that's where a lot of these kids build their work ethic and their confidence and all those sort of things. And this was just a situation, you know, that's common all over the country. I have friends that coach baseball, uh, specifically and, uh, travel ball at that. And, you know, it would be, uh, common for, uh, parents of these, these, you know, high school players to not figure out why their kid wasn't pitching. And it's like, you know, because he sucks. I mean, quite yeah, honestly, right, some of these kids right. were no good. And, right. and, uh, how do you explain that? And, and I get it as a parent, I am a parent and, uh, you know, when it comes to your kids, you get awful protective and you think they are the best at everything. And this is just a situation where this guy obviously was in, the intent here was murder. I mean, he shot him four times. This wasn't one time in the right, leg. Yeah. Yeah, um, he's, he's lucky he's a shitty shot. Yeah. Over, over his kid not starting. Just crazy. I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, yeah. We, you know, when I rode the bench, we called it the scrub club, and it wasn't a problem <laughs> for me, right? The, the sooner or later, you know, I got to play the, uh, and start and all that. So I don't know. State of the world we live in. Just crazy shit. Thankless job being a coach. Yeah. Well, you know, Halloween's coming, y'all. And this next story is a little bit crazy, a little bit early for Halloween, but crazy nonetheless. And we'll go back to the Houston area where a Texas man in Harris County was charged with a third degree felony after he lured a 10 year old boy into a bathroom and allegedly sucked and bit on his neck like a vampire. Oh and no, his, his name was not Joe Biden nibbling on the kid's ear. Oh God. Uh, um, but according to court documents, Colton Tyler, Ryan, 26, Colton Tyler, Ryan, 27, installed a messenger app on the boy's cell phone and began making contact with him at all hours without the consent of the boy's mother. The boy's mother, had also reported seeing Ryan outside the apartment building where she and her son lived. She said Ryan would often circle the complex in his car. On October 13th, he took the 10-year-old boy into a public bathroom at the apartment complex after pulling him away from the game he was playing with friends in front of the complex. And once in the bathroom, he had let, well, not allegedly, once in the bathroom, he forced the boy to take a photo with him yelled at him and then bit his neck and sucked his blood causing the boy pain right get the fuck out of here the mother told officers that ryan bit her son's neck and sucked on the wound like a vampire ryan also took the boy's cell phone and installed the facebook messenger app then messaged the boy at all hours requesting they meet again prosecutors said the boy's mother contacted the police after noticing the messages on her son's phone and seeing the defendant lurking around their apartment and circling the building, one to meet up with the child. Ryan was arrested Monday. He will undergo a mental health evaluation. Mm, I don't think that's, uh, I mean, if he would, if he was just totally crazy, he would have just done it out in the open like Biden and not taking him in the bathroom. He is being held at the uh, Harris County Jail, $50,000 bond, is charged with injuring a child under the age of 15, two counts of luring a child with intent to commit a felony, and he's not entered a plea yet. 
vampire. I, I <laughs> all times. Like a, you think it was more like a hickey, and or, or he actually had to break the skin, I guess, to get the blood. Had to break the skin. <sighs> he had to break I the mean, skin to get the blood. I mean, I doubt it's the first time, right? I mean, did they catch this guy the very first time he did that? I mean, that sounds like something that maybe you've been doing for a long time. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be a fantasy thing, I guess. I don't know. Um, He'd better be glad it wasn't one of my kids. So I don't get it. Well, maybe it's – I mean, there are so many of these shows. I've never – watched any of them but aren't there just tons of vampire and zombie shows out there oh, that yeah. that are appealing to to kids and teens these days that for years and years and years now i remember twilight i uh, was filmed and part of us one of the guys was from my hometown and all that uh, um and that was a big deal for my kids uh, uh, all the books and the movies and of course you had the ann rice's the vampire lestat and yeah, Dracula shit that goes back to when I was a kid. Yeah, but they've really kind of romanticized it in all these all these shows, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, he's going to get his issue. I don't get it. Jim, you look like you have vampire thoughts there. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> I did go uh, Halloween. Probably my favorite Halloween costume I went as Dracula. So I like the fake teeth. I mean, I it was it was always an easy go to, right? All you needed was some kind of black uh, cape and yeah. and uh, those fake teeth you could buy anywhere for ninety nine yeah. cents, and you were in business, right? I went one year to Bourbon Street in a tuxedo with no shirt and vampire teeth. Nice, nice, right? But I had the body for it back then. I could get away with it. You probably I'm left in. Pat O'Brien's with the lady that night, didn't you? I was definitely Pat O'Brien's. I yeah. went yesterday with no shirt and teeth. <laughs> How'd that work out? I do that every Saturday. Did you, did, you you bite a weather, did you bite a weather lady in, in uh, <laughs> Milwaukee? Shout out, Brooke Bright. Shout out. Oh, <laughs> be, be on the alert Halloween evening, Brooke Brighton. I'll have to look her up. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> this one, you know, we... I know I do a lot of UK stories, folks, and I've been watching a lot of UK TV lately. And I'm, I'm not sure exactly what's going on with me where I'm doing this, but I, I guess whenever I want to feel good about what's or better about what's going on in the United States right now, it's easy to look at how effed up some stuff going on in the UK is. I think that's probably subliminally what's happening to me, but this one blew me away. A UK judge ordered a pregnant 11-year-old girl, 11-year-old girl, to get an abortion. So the That's judge scary. is ordering the girl to get an abortion, a ruling that, uh, and the judge ruled that the abortion was in the girl's best interest. Hmm. Court documents stemming from a private hearing last month have now been publicly released and show that a 10-year-old girl, she was 10 at the time, only identified as AZ, was raped by a 14-year-old boy she met online. She was reportedly raped a few weeks later by another 14-year-old boy. That rape came after her 11th birthday. She became pregnant after being raped by that uh, 14-year-old girl she met on the Internet when she was 10 on uh, the 18th or 21st of May of 2023. She was raped by that other 
14-year-old boy on the 11th of June, 2023, but he did not get her pregnant. She was about 14 weeks and six days pregnant during the hearing and told the court she was, quote, happy with the pregnancy. With the many risks of continuing with the pregnancy explained to her, AZ said she was, quote, happy to be pregnant and wanted to continue with it. The judge said her views involved naive, magical thinking in her approach to the pregnancy. AZ explained the pregnancy made her feel special, and uh, this according to her mother, and that her mother was supporting AZ's position. So the mom is supporting the 11-year-old going ahead and having the baby. A health board, however, applied for what's known as declarations that the termination of the pregnancy would be in her best interests. A mental health consultant additionally argued that the girl lacked competence to carry through with the pregnancy, and the team of health specialists said the birth posed serious health risks to the girl, which I think would be very possible at age 11, right? The judge agreed with the experts and ordered the girl to get an abortion. The risks to AZ are significant. I was particularly struck by the evidence about the impact of the size of AZ's anatomy, whereas many adult women struggle with the pain of childbirth, a child of 11 is likely to have a much worse experience, the judge said. the mother made the telling point to a social worker that there was a risk that if AZ's pregnancy was terminated, she would just go out and become pregnant again. For some reason, the parents do not appear to be able to prevent this young girl from getting pregnant. The judge ordered investigators to collect tissue from the girl's placenta for forensic testing as part of the criminal investigation into the alleged rape. I've never heard of that either, but a judge Ordering an abortion is a first for me, although I have to say, under the circumstances, I kind of get it. It's hard to understand. Uh, I don't know how, you know. The, how, how the fuck you touch that story. I mean, the, um, I mean, certainly if it's going to kill her for childbirth, then maybe they're looking in their best interest, but holy shit. Can you imagine the, um, the opposing views and everything else? I mean, right. Well, but that would be the rationale. That's, that's where, whether you're pro-life or pro-choice, it all does sort of come together when the, the health of either the, uh, the child or, uh, the mom is at risk. And I think the professionals consulted there all agreed that she would be at high risk bizarre uh and the, the testing of the placenta is for dna to, so they can get a lockdown on uh, okay whoever it was that uh raped right her. right right, uh, right and then but you're right i mean she's saying she's happy with it etc that that baby needs some counseling because what's to stop it from happening again and again and again yeah 11 year olds having sex unprotected sex Several times. I don't know. Jim is speechless. I think it's horrible. I think uh, it's horrible. I think it makes you glad to be in the United States. That's what I think. Yeah. Uh, Florida woman. We're going to go to Florida. And Woody, I know you get, um, you know, you get nervous when you were a police officer and you had to pull over females who were mad, right? 
Yeah. No one, no one wants to fight more than a mad female. Sometimes you're right. That's people that's you don't want to mess with. That's why I use freeze plus P instead of putting my hand. <laughs> that's right. You'd rather pull over Hulk Hogan or yeah, somebody no than, a, than a mad right. female. Uh, well, a drunken mad female is probably even worse. And <laughs> a Florida woman's drunken joyride at 120 miles an hour in a 55 mile right. an hour zone. Yep. Led to her arrest, but the traffic stop turned into something way worse when she became violent with the Florida highway patrol trooper whose hand she dug her fingernails in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we'll, we'll put a picture up, but this girl had fingernails like, you know, uh, daggers, they were that big. Brittany Bishani was arrested and charged with DUI after the incident that unfolded in St. Petersburg Saturday night, which is incidentally in Pinellas. You County. know what county that is. Pinellas. Pinellas again. Uh, the 31-year-old was also charged with resisting an officer with violence, battery on law enforcement, habitual traffic offender, possession of marijuana, <laughs> Possession of drug paraphernalia, speeding, and, and a no insurance. This, wow. and this is the crazy part of this story. This is her third DUI arrest in 10 years. Come on. Wow. So, um, you know, she didn't learn the first two times. And she had a valid license after that? Well, she didn't have insurance. Uh, you know, I, I guess her license was valid. Yeah, but she didn't have insurance. She, you know, she had all kinds of drugs in the car. Uh, she was driving in a Mercedes at 120 miles an hour in a posted 50 mile per hour zone when she passed this trooper. So the trooper conducts a traffic stop and he arrests her for the DUI. But after she was taken into custody, she became violent. Uh, She digs her fingernails into the trooper's hand. She actually drew blood when she did this. And so they slapped all these other charges on her. And, um, you know, I mean, it's digging your fingernails into someone's hands. Not like she socked him with a, a, you know, a bag of locks. But uh, but something tells me Woody Overton throw the book at her for doing that. Yeah, I've had, I still have a scar on the tip of my nose from the big guy on duty on the fourth when he dug his claws in my face. Let me tell you something. That was a a fist fight. and it just happened in an instant. The I don't that was get, an awesome episode, by the way. For those appreciate it. I, I don't get letting her be so close to you. And I say you took her in custody, then she fights. That that would mean you cuffed her in the front or something. That I'm gonna tell you what, you fucking scratched me, and you gonna get every charge on the man and skull drug and everything else. <laughs> skull drug. Yeah. The, you know. Uh, the whole thing where they say, oh, watch your head when you get in the car. Yeah, I'm not saying that. And, and uh, I don't know. I don't know how you, you get scratched up after you take them into custody. So, Well, we got right. vampires on this episode. We got people scratching with crazy long nails. What uh, what other weird shit do we have coming? Right. Listen, well, listen to this weird shit. Right. You had something to say, Joe? No, I was just going to say it's October. They're all weird. Yeah, yeah. Listen, listen to this shit. So, a thief found a clever way to hide from authorities in Poland. Now, I know this is across the pond, but content trumps 
what is its location? I don't want to be in another geography. My ass, my ass is a crack with the board already. I don't want to get. Well, it. nobody <laughs> wanted Eastern Europe as a yeah. territory anyway. All right, all right. So the so a thief found a clever way to hide from authorities in Poland, posing in a store window as a mannequin. <laughs> I don't know how you get. I don't know how you get away with this, but just listen to this shit. A 22-year-old with a bag in his hand froze motionless, pretending to be a mannequin in front of a shop window, police said. In, in this way, he wanted to be avoid being exposed by the cameras. Police said the clever thief posed in the window to dis- display motionless until the mall store closed. Once the last customer left and the mall doors were secure, the man broke from his stance and robbed a jury stand in, in the store, according to the Polish police. Having successfully committed the crime, or once our Polish criminal mastermind tempted fate by attempting his mannequin trick a second time, right? So if it works once, you can do it twice. This time he was so confident in his strategy that he decided to hit the food court for some tasty sausages before plucking a few new outfits from the men's department. With the new wardrobe in hand and his appetite still raging, he decided to travel back to the food court for a few more bites before departing. The trip proved to be one sausage too many as mall security guards spotted him (laughs) in the food court. (laughs) Billy Amy. He was arrested and police said that he could face up to 10 years in prison. I I mean, I feel like Aggo could have done this one with some banjos, but I didn't want to promote any old stereotypes about our fine Polish people. Yes. In this particular case, this guy would deserve uh, everything that comes with that stereotype, though. So I I actually saw a picture of this pretending to be a mannequin. (laughs) It's pretty freaking funny. But could you imagine being that guy and you've pulled it off once and you're so confident in what you're doing that, you know, you're. Uh, you're a little bit hungry, so you decide to take a side trip to the food right. court, and then right. you do it twice. Well, who who knew they had Wrangler Barbie in in Poland? That's what's on the the window of the store. I'm looking at the photograph. I don't I don't get that. I mean, talk about well, people not not paying attention. Well, that Barbie uh, that Barbie movie was a big hit uh, internationally, and. You've got all, you know, it's the number one Halloween outfit this year is Barbie and Ken are the number one for girls and number one for boys outfits. Well, Jim, we got some royalties coming because they designed right. Ken after us, uh, a combination between Jim and I. That's right. <laughs> really? That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Right. I can see that. ball game coming out next week. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> time, to pre- time to prepare your uh, your lawsuit. we're going to leave the country again I am going to violate Woody's territory here and go to South America Uh, but I I have clearance on this violation can you give me an accent please I cannot possibly do an Argentinian accent but I know that that Jim has that and many more in his repertoire so Jim if you want to come on Stas Yes, uh, and I, he even had the uh, the Buenos Aires uh, tinge to that accent. So, a a man who killed his pregnant wife 
and hid in an Argentinian rainforest for 22 years, returns to civilization after the statute of limitations expires. What? So Holy listen, crap. So I'm, pretty listen, sure, is, I'm pretty sure you fucking lock yourself up in the jungle for 22 years. I'd rather get prison. Okay, so a man convicted of the murder of his pregnant wife has reemerged from a rainforest in Argentina after spending 22 years avoiding police detection. Ramon Angel Abreu, who's now 70, looks poised to avoid any further jail time after emerging from hiding. Abreu escaped from prison months after being jailed for 20 years for shooting his wife, Ava Falcone, in the city of Rio Grande in Argentina's southernmost tip back in January of 2000. He spent the next 22 years evading police detection hidden in this rainforest in northern Argentina. On the day of the attack, the local news sources say that uh, Abreu attacked Falcone. She was seven months pregnant at the time uh, and shot her with a nine millimeter uh, handgun at her home. She was wounded, but she reportedly managed to escape and took refuge in the guard room of a clinic where uh, Abreu then caught up with her and shot her four more times. So this was a pretty brutal killing back in 2000. In February the following year, Abreu escaped from uh, a prison called Margan Sur and uh, by hiding in a truck that was headed for Chile. So all these years, Abreu remained hidden in the jungle in the Chaco Salteño and managed to re-enter uh, the Tierra del Fuego province without being detected by any authorities on Wednesday, according to Argentinian police. They say he appeared in court to request what's known as the prescription of the case while his lawyer, Alejandro de la Riva disclosed that Abreu passed through two Argentinian and two Chilean border crossings and uh, had, uh, uh, with no documents, the statute of limitations is 20 years, which is the time he managed to remain a fugitive. He served his sentence that way. Uh, de la Riva reportedly explained to uh, the media, but the process may not be that simple and some legal issues surrounding what happened remain to be resolved, according to prosecutors. Prosecutors believe that the precepts of international law treaties adopted by the country govern and those uh, uh, those treaties could be applied to deny this person's freedom. It, you, how do you escape? You're an escaped convict and the statute of limitations runs right. out on your That's murder while you're an escaped conflict. That's yeah. the biggest question for me. Yeah, I don't know uh, what their statutes are there but it, it wouldn't run out here yeah murder never goes well, i think that would that would leave us with a lot of argentinians trying to escape prison and, right. and let their statute of limitations run out i mean it's a crazy crazy story but uh, it's crazy that right. is what they say argentina's a mess right now with a lot of a lot he, of things he came back and they had cell phones and internet and facebook and podcasts and everything else now yeah Right. Eva Perón was gone. He he was gone. All right. What do you drink? Sing Tao beer. I don't know what. Probably the other night I did. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. I don't <laughs> well, so. let's hope not. Let's I've hope had not. sing that. Sing that. They, that's if you're if you're at a sushi restaurant, they're likely if you're going to have a beer, they're likely to offer you a sing Tao. 
Uh, okay. Well, you may not want to order any more of that because there's a video circulating online of a worker at the Singtao beer headquarters and he's emptying his bladder into the ingredients used to create the beer. It's prompted the Chinese brewery and authorities to look into the situation. Singtao brewery on Monday informed customers and investors of the investigation. Its announcement came not long after a video of a hard hat donning man urinating into a large open vat at one of its facilities. It's gained massive attention uh, on social media platforms. And of course, we're going to share it on ours. Uh, The company places high importance on the media reports and has reported the matter to public security authorities at the first opportunity, the public security authorities are presently involved in the investigation. This from the brewery. Some reports have suggested the individual did not even work directly for Singtao. Singtao, which describes itself as the sixth largest global beer maker, produces a slew of beverages, including a classic lager, a stout, a pilsner, and an IPA. In addition to China, where it's headquartered, the brewer sells them in over 100 other countries. As of Monday afternoon, its market capitalization came in at roughly $12.65 billion. So we're talking about a you know an enormous company relative to size. Singtao's right. origin actually traces back to the early 1900s, where German and British traders first created it. And if you watch this video, it is literally, it looks like a, you know, when I, when we say a vat, this is a, a vat the size of Texas, mm. and it's got all this mash in it, and this guy walks out in the middle of it, pulls out his winky, and yeah. takes a little urine. He let it flow. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, they, do like refer, they do refer to a special secret ingredient on the back when you well that that might be the one and you know it gives another meaning to the phrase this beer tastes like piss Uh, right i mean (laughs) i'm gonna tell you if if you yeah but that would be so it would be so diluted in a huge vat like that i mean come on it doesn't matter it's the thought that counts right (laughs) that's right there's there's i don't want anybody's piss even if it's a drop okay but if, if how much would they have to discount that beer for you, so if you know you go to the store and the the inside the fridge it says here are here's Singdao the the beer has been pissed on but it's like half the price of you know mm-hmm. whatever uh, other no. beer you wouldn't go you wouldn't go for the pissed beer no, for no, half no. the no. Nope. no 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 shit well you've no. never been a fraternity social chairman then I'd have gone for that in a heartbeat. Uh, if there's a country I'm never going to get called pissing in the national beer vat, it's going to be too right? <laughs> You got and that right, Jack. They, they, they will kill they, you over there. They're going to kill him. And then they, when they execute you, they mailed your family uh, a bill for the cost of the bullet. And that's a fact. Yeah. So, and, th- and this particular guy will probably also get a bill for whatever the negative impact on the stock price has been on their market cap. So uh, it's not going to matter because he's going to be dead. His family will get the bill. The well, price. and, and you know, the, the positive, this thing, if you can find a positive is they obviously when you're manufacturing anything, you have batches. So right. they know 
they can narrow this thing down to where they know exactly what batch that piss went in. Yeah, <laughs> so, the, so I don't think thing, it'll hit the market, but any this but I'm betting this guy is a serial pisser and <laughs> they just happen to catch him on the video this one time. I bet you they're yeah. going back and looking at all the other bats that have gone out like mm, we're not saying shit about that. Well, I bet it's I bet it's also a thing at that brewery between a number of guys where, ha ha, we're not going to go take our bathroom break. Everybody just pisses into the big thing. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, right. Well, it almost could be a kinky crime. Almost. 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 It was It'd be kinky for some because some people would go out and buy it. Yeah. I'm going to see if Drizzly can deliver me some sing out. Say, say it your way, uh, Jim. Give me the uh, the official sing pronunciation. Out. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to see if uh, Drizzly will drop some of that off today. All right. Look, y'all like dinosaurs? Big fan. Yeah, I'm sure. kind of fa- fascinated by them. Like the show What's your favorite? Uh, the T-Rex, naturally. But the... There's yeah, a new I Godzilla show coming out, by the way, on I, Apple I TV. New Godzilla. Hadn't heard, hadn't heard of that one. But, the you know, they have these shows now where the ranchers are going out and digging up bones um, and selling them for a large amount of money and because cattle yeah. prices and everything are so bad. But check this one out. Actually, I listened to the uh, podcast on the way up here, which is very unusual for me. And it wasn't ours. It was Joe Rogan. And he had a guy on from Alaska where oh, they had yeah. five acres and he's got like, you know, a hundred thousand bones. They found in this five, one, five acres and all these dinosaurs that weren't even supposed to live there. But yeah, uh, shout out to the bone yard on Instagram. Yard. That's, that's, that's that site. It's unbelievable. Yeah. But listen to this. Four defendants are accused of violating the paleontological resource preservation act or henceforth referred to as the PRPA. Four Americans have been charged with selling $1 million worth of dinosaur bones to China. Now, that's a lot. Hold on on a second, y'all. I can't see the time for some reason. Can y'all see a time? Yeah. Okay, what's the time say? 49.38. Yeah. For some reason, I can't see it. All right. So a million dollars worth of bones is not a lot, y'all. But according to the U.S. Attorney's Office in Utah, Jordan Willing, 40, from Ashland, Oregon. Stephen Willing, 67, from Los Angeles. And Vent Wade, 65. And Donna Wade, 67, from Moab, Utah, are all accused of violating the PRPA Act by illegally purchasing, transporting, and exporting dinosaur bones from federal land. Ooh, that's a no-no. Y'all know out west, it isn't like uh, around here. It, the largest landowner is the BLM, the Bureau of Land Management. It's all government land, or, or, or most of it is. But so they evidently went on there and dug up some bones. The defendants are being charged with multiple felonies against the United States, including concealing and retaining stolen property, in addition to selling one million in uh, paleontological resources. The indictment alleges the defendants' actions caused more than three million in damages. The defendants further illegally conspired by knowingly concealing and retaining stolen property of the United States, the U.S. Attorney's Office said. As charged in the typical execution of the conspiracy, the Wade's purchase resources were moved from federal land by paying cash and checks to known and unknown individuals. The release added that the Wade's then collected the resources to sell to national vendors at gym and mineral shows. Meanwhile, 
They sold the illegally obtained resources to the Willings, who then used their company to export the dinosaur bones to China. This was done by mislabeling dinosaur bones and deflating their value to avoid detection by federal agents. The indictment outlined that more than $3 million in damages were incurred as a result of restoration and repair costs. Whatever value we could gain by knowing the location they are at, what other bones were near, the type of soil they were found in, all of that scientific value was lost when they were removed, USDA said in a statement. So although dinosaur bones and all of the resources have a value on some markets, the true loss of removing these items from public lands cannot be monetarily measured. It is invaluable. That's what the uh, prosecutor said. It's, it, yeah, you know, they're right, right? Because if, if they're not trained, not Jim and your son going to be an archaeologist? Yeah, uh, correct. That uh, If they're not trained correctly on the, on the excavation of these things, then there's no telling what they destroyed. And really that belongs to all of us because it's on the federal land. That's right, quite a that? that's quite a conspiracy. I mean, that's pretty pretty intricate conspiracy yeah. there. Yep, a lot of money and there's a lot of land out there that is never monitored by anyone. It's not like they have a police well, um, they do have the BLM agents, but they can't be everywhere at one time. We're talking about millions of acres. Um so I mean, I don't know. Good business, I guess. The uh, I don't know. It's kind of fucked up there. Well, it's interesting that uh, North America, in particular, was the place for dinosaurs back in the dinosaur roaming days. I right. mean, you had like, more here than anywhere else. It was the nightlife. There was a there was a great yeah. nightlife scene in North America back then. Yeah. So if you were so, if you were anybody amongst the dinosaur crews, you needed to be here to right. party. The place to be. Yeah. <laughs> Woody, I know that uh, we've talked about treasure uh, stories before on the show, and you right. have a great interest in that and uh, and uh, stuff like this. Yesterday, Jim had a story. Uh, I'll let him uh, tell you about it, but it was about, uh, I think they called it magnet fishing, Jim? Is that yeah. what? Yeah. You ever heard of that, Woody? Uh-uh. So magnet fishing is basically like regular fishing, except you have a big rare earth magnet or something like that on the end of your line and you drop it and you're pulling up metal objects. So it's, you can pull these magnets are so strong. You can pull up like safes. You can pull up uh, a hell of a, a hell of a braided line you're using. Yeah. It's kind of like a, a, a form of treasure hunting, well, the, the individuals pulled up a hand grenade, and it had what? not been detonated what? yet. Did it yeah. blow up? Uh, they called the bomb squad. The bomb squad came, and they, they intentionally blew it up, but they couldn't. They didn't want to remove the magnet because they were scared it was going to blow right. up once they pulled the magnet off. I don't imagine it was a pretty good magnet. story. I don't yeah. imagine those magnets are cheap. And I, I started to listen to it this morning. Yesterday, I was still incapacitated. Uh, but the I didn't get that far before we started recording. So. Well, apparently those uh, the strength of that magnet. I mean, they, they could pull up safes, and yeah. I mean, really, really heavy. So I I don't know what the full rig would look like that somebody's using to to yeah. do that. But uh, seems like there'd be a lot of areas where you could potentially hit on some valuable items and some grenades, yeah. rockets, yeah. 
<laughs> only takes one good safe to to reach retirement, right? And most well, of the time, if the safes are on the bottom of a lake or something, is yeah, like the ruby red slippers we talked about last week. That's where they were recovered. The guy got tired of them, realized he couldn't sell them, so he threw them in the in the lake. But Inter- interesting little side story to that, but. Uh, my brother-in-law is a professor at Mississippi state and, uh, him and his wife live in, uh, I forget the name of the town. It's in Mississippi and there's a, it's a military base basically is all that's in this small town that they live in. Um, and we were visiting and he has nothing but woods behind his house. And me and my son are walking back there one day, uh, exploring and we come across, a bomb. <laughs> really? That's, yes. I'm not kidding you. A bomb. And so it's like, I tell my son, I'm like, I think that's a bomb and it's just sticking out of the ground. So we go back and we get my brother-in-law and come to find out, okay, it wasn't a live bomb. That's, that was an area they used for training. So back in world war two, they would drop dummy bombs to practice you know, target practice, I guess, right. dropping these bombs. And that was just one they never picked up. Yeah. Well, that'll freak you out a little bit. Stumbling yeah. Around one yeah. I was like, don't play around that. Yeah. yeah We're cool. stepping on a fake don't play on bomb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My yeah. son runs up. Look what I found. Yeah. I <laughs> just like on uh, Joe Dirt. <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't be dragging that magnet around the Pacific or anywhere either. Where, you know, there's tons of unexploded ordnance on the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, um, I don't know. does that thing go down two miles deep? Maybe it does. I don't know. That a lot, a lot of planes and a lot of that were right around the, the shorelines of these islands, and there's still wreckage down there. I mean, you could dive; it's only thirty, forty feet. So that uh, that's true too. Well, let's go to California. I don't do a lot of California stories, and this is a really sad one where four female students from Pepperdine University were. Uh, hit and killed by a driver while they were standing along Pacific Coast Highway. Have you guys ever uh, seen this campus, Pepperdine? Mm, seen where it is? No. no. You, you would not believe it. It is directly on the Pacific Ocean in Malibu. Hmm. So you are driving the curvy roads of PCH, and all of a sudden you come onto this campus where literally you have the campus, you have Pacific Coast Highway, and you have the beach and the Pacific Ocean. Now, it actually has a good reputation as a school, which is amazing considering the students are all surfing all day because all they want to do is cross the road. And say, go, it, sounds, it sounds expensive, yeah. It's, uh, it's a beautiful setting, and yes, it is, uh, it is expensive, but... Uh, but one of the risks, I guess, that uh, that come with that area for sure is that, you know, you've carved a road out of mountainside, that whole PCH all the way up and down California. I mean, California is basically, you know, you you have cliffs to the ocean in uh, much of the state. And so the roads are pretty narrow because of the cost of creatium creatium because you're, right. you're having to you know dynamite out uh, right. uh, out of the rock and so there's not a shoulder along uh, pch for most of pch and some people get uh, 
get out there, particularly in expensive cars. Lots of people like to take their sports cars out on that road and enjoy all the curves and the views and everything like that. And there's, there's some danger. So the LA Sheriff's Department Captain Jennifer C2 said in a press conference that this incident happened at 8.30 at night uh, along the 21,600 block of PCH, which would actually be a little bit south of where uh, Pepperdine is, closer to sort of downtown Malibu, if there is such a thing. Uh, C2 said that a guy by the name of Fraser Michael Bone, who's 22 years old, lost control of his vehicle and swerved toward the shoulder of the north side of the highway. His car collided with three parked cars, which then hit the four students who were standing on the side of the roadway. I think they were waiting for a Lyft or an Uber at the time. Officials said the students, uh, uh, actually who were there to meet up with other people, were pronounced dead at the scene. Bone, who suffered minor injuries from the crash, was arrested on charges of vehicular manslaughter with gross negligence. He's released pending further investigation into the crash. The leading cause of collisions on PCH by far is speed, C2 said. It is a town. It is a college town. There are way too many people on this stretch of highway that have been killed over the years. We're working with the community to make sure that people are educated about the dangers of Pacific Coast Highway and to slow down. Pepperdine University, which is located about four miles north from, of the actual crash site, identified the four female students who were killed as Neem Rolston, Peyton Stewart, Asha Weir, and Deslin Williams to the students who loved, lived with, and we're in community with the departed members of our Pepperdine family. My heart is broken with yours, said University President Jim Gash in a message to the Pepperdine community. I join you in your grief as we process this profound loss. So four college students just standing on the side of the road waiting to meet up with others are no longer with us because of some young crazy driver losing control of his vehicle on PCH. Yeah, you know, just because you can have a fast vehicle, et cetera, doesn't mean you can drive one. You know, the, uh, all my years of training, we had high-speed tracks and um, would do vehicle pursuits at 120-plus miles an hour and stuff, but under supervision, right? And then you spend all your time driving every night, 12, 14 hours a night, basically, in your unit and stuff, and just people just think, oh, I can buy whatever car and – I can, I'm Dale Earnhardt. It doesn't work like that. No, and it didn't for this guy, and he's going to spend a lot of time, maybe the rest of his life, in uh, in jail for this. Well, people yeah. need to learn to slow down. We just had 150-plus uh, car pile up yeah. right here in Louisiana where eight people died because yeah. – you know, and I I don't know what the initial cause of it was, but it was foggy and, and yeah. likely someone was going a little bit too fast. Let, let me tell you what, it, it really doesn't matter how fast you're going. This happened to me. It wasn't on that bridge, on the I-55 bridge, but it was on I-12 coming back on New Year's Eve. I'll never forget this. And I had my family in the car. I wasn't drinking or anything. It was nighttime and it hit the fog. And look, it was so foggy, you couldn't see your windshield wipers. So I immediately... 
I'm like, oh fuck. And so I, I, I took the, sorry, y'all. I took the um, shoulder and I went off to the grass because I knew there were other cars around me and I could hear bam, bam, bam. People were locking Jesus up and Christ. hitting each other. Several people died in, in that accident. So on those high rise bridges like that, we call them high rises over the, um, the, basically the marsh and the swamp yeah. when that when that fall comes up combined with the um the wildfires there there's no i mean you can't see what are you going to do and there's no it's not like you got you can take the ditch like i did on the interstate because it's only the show that's got the concrete barrier and, and i don't think there's go. a full i don't think there's a full shoulder there is there there's that it's just enough to park a car on yeah right? barely uh, uh, uh barely yeah right and, and open a door but it doesn't matter. I mean, all those people died and God rest not, prayers for them and all the families. And yesterday when I saw it, they were still cleaning up and had yes. opened it up yet. So listen up guys, you know, I know I dropped the ball yesterday, uh, um, being out of sorts, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, the incapacitated, but probably be a better word. But when I got up and the head was clearing a little bit and everything, um, I had a really nice email from a lifer. And I'm going to read this. And I want the board to take this in consideration before they suspend me. Uh, it, it's from a Miss Sarah Elder and says, I absolutely love your podcast. I do home health care as a CNA and I play it during my 12 hour shifts on my eight days straight. My client responds to certain men's voices and listening to you, to your podcast keeps her in a happy mood. So you not only touch people's lives with your true crime podcast, your voice is very soothing, apparently to her. She is totally nonverbal autistic, has cerebral palsy, is 45 and has the mentality of a four year old due to her mother using drugs and alcohol while pregnant with her. I just thought I would reach out to you and tell you I'm a huge fan. And I started on Spotify from season one, episode one. And apparently she is a huge fan also. As I am emailing, she is sitting here listening to the end of the Monsters episode and clapping her hands and being very loud with her noises. Thank you for making my work days a little easier. Even though, trust this, there are plenty of days that sugar turn to shit here. So I'd like to board wow, take great. consideration. If you suspend me, you get yeah, I get a couple of these a week. Um, and thank you, Sarah Elder, for reaching out. That will be defense item one that will be put into evidence for the board. Thank you. Right, the defense one because I got more. But you're going to uh, need about uh, 176 mm, more of those for. I think that no, if you take into to the thing that that some lady um, who is you know challenged in those ways uh, uh gets a you know a little bit of joy out of it the board don't no, that's great that's great <laughs> but the board has rejected the letter from christy from the champagne room on your behalf that you tried to submit <laughs> oh, that's that's, no not going, that's not going to be accepted hey i was with five of the best dudes in the world i call them my cousins up here now and uh because everybody seems to be cousin related up here and not, <laughs> not in a bad way i'm not saying that <laughs> i'm not saying when they got electricity cut the birth rate in half i'm just saying that was a running <laughs> joke for us and uh kind of the theme of the drinking for the night this is my this is the first time the system has actually worked uh, um i'm talking about us recording remotely and it where Hopefully the you know the sound is 
way far advanced on the last. Don't jinx it. Don't jinx it. Don't jinx it. Yeah. Not trying to jinx it. But anyway, to all the fans and everybody, especially to my two brothers and the board can kiss my ass, but everybody else, I apologize for yesterday. That that was not smart. I got a good lawyer at Tommy Davenport. (laughs) (laughs) Tommy Davenport. Right, yes. Davenport versus the board. Well, we'll see how that goes. But look, I love and appreciate each and every one of y'all. Please continue to like and share. And uh, if you're so inclined, go leave us a review. Uh, big things are happening with this show and all of our shows. Um, you know, just we, we just love y'all. Thank you. Uh, last thing for me, Woody, we'll talk about this. Maybe we'll talk about it on uh, Friday's show, but we. Uh, Jim and I talked about it yesterday. We've had a lot of feedback from the audience, unhappy about our execution of the egging of Ago. And uh, so we, we need to discuss what we're going to do, a uh, yeah. a reboot well, of, of that I'm, to make sure enough gonna, pain I'm is inflicted need, on me. I'm going to need to see proof of that because I think you just want to get uh, another chance to go viral. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, what I want is a is a chance to get that cake get that cake made again because yeah. the, only I got were, the only the only bits I got were the bits on my face. But man, that was a tasty cake. Yeah, I hate to I see it go to waste on my face. Look, I brought it home the night before. My wife's like, "You're gonna freaking ruin that." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, she should have she should have delivered it with a big slice taken out of it. The other last thing y'all is y'all go in and comment or continue to comment on what uh calls we should support next. And we're we're gonna come up with something more innovative than smashing an egg in the head with eggs. It'll be something else good. Maybe with we'll bowling balls this time or set them on yeah. fire or something like that. Hit them with a sledgehammer and the balls for the next yeah. time. So we set you on fire. You can do a stop, drop, and roll safety video for yeah. people. That's perfect. That's right. Hey, All, right. All right. Until next time, I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And I'm really sad I didn't get to do a dumb criminals, but I will make up for that next episode. Promise. Yeah. Mike Agavino. Yeah. There you go. For Real Life, Real Crime Daily. Peace. Aglets.